a majority of Illinois counties are now at high risk of COVID-19 transmission, while Cook County remains at medium. The news comes as we're also seeing a rise in flu and RSV cases, with this flu season being called one of the worst on record. Pediatric ICU beds are filling up. Some drugs are in short supply, and this doozy of a winter is just getting started. Meanwhile, a Harvard study out earlier this month offers some new insights into why respiratory infections are more common when it's cold outside. So joining us now to explain it all is Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Welcome back to Reset, Doctor. Hey, Sasha. And we're also taking your questions for the doctor about COVID, the flu, or RSV. You can reach us live right now at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Our producers are standing by to take your call. Dr. T, I want to start with COVID-19. Tell us how the numbers are looking right now for Chicago and the Collar Counties. You know, they're definitely coming up everywhere. So saying that multiple counties are in high transmission with Cook being at more medium to moderate transmission, it's going to come up. I regard basically all of the collar counties in the Chicagoland area as being in high transmission at this point. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing lots of people coming in with minor symptoms, and we're seeing people coming into our emergency rooms requiring hospitalization again. Mm -hmm. So this is a real critical week, especially for those who are celebrating holidays holidays, with Hanukkah starting, Christmas at the end of the week, Kwanzaa starting next week, we have to be very mindful about who we're going to be gathering with and what steps we're going to be taking over the next five or six days to keep ourselves protected so that when we gather in the days to come, we are set up for success and not having a lot of transmission between family members and friends. The Illinois Department of Public Health is now recommending masking in counties with elevated COVID-19 transmission risk. What do you think about all that? Who should be wearing masks and when? Well, I think right now, in advance of gathering potentially with more vulnerable family members in the coming days or next week or so, this is a good time to mask kind of at all times when you're in indoor spaces, especially crowded indoor spaces. So we can minimize that risk of exposure, especially if you're wearing a high quality mask that's, you know, close form fitting. You can minimize that exposure risk in the days leading up. And, you know, hopefully be able to test yourself prior to gathering with family members. But as a reminder, when we move into high transmission, the recommendation is for masking in indoor spaces. I don't know that we're going to see requirements coming back. Um, Maybe some private entities might, but the recommendation is to be masked indoors right now. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've mentioned it. We're in the middle of this holiday season, right? Of course, Happy Hanukkah, first of all, to everyone out there listening who is celebrating. Uh, But we know Christmas and Kwanzaa, New Year's, they are just around the corner. So for the people who are getting ready to travel right now and go back home and be around extended family, Dr. Taramina, what do you want them to keep in mind? I would say the best plan, if you haven't received your bivalent booster yet, and I know, unfortunately, the majority haven't because we're looking at 20 to 30 percent in the Chicagoland area that have received the bivalent booster. If you haven't yet, get it today. That's going to give you a number of days prior to gathering to have these antibodies get boosted up, which is great. When you are in indoor spaces, between now and when you're gathering, stay masked. If you can do that, especially, again, to be respectful and cognizant of our more vulnerable family members that we're going to be visiting with at the end of the week or into next week, you know, you have less of a risk of exposure yourself. 
And just this week, if you haven't heard, we can get more free COVID testing. They're free COVID tests sent to our homes. They're going to be sent starting today. Might not get them before Christmas, but certainly before the new year to have four free tests on hand to go ahead and do that quick swab, checking yourself prior to gathering. It's not 100% guarantee, but we've got those layered mitigation strategies as we approach gathering, and that's what's going to give us the best outcome. You're referring to a new round of, of tests coming out from the White House, correct? That's correct. It's, yeah. the, it's the first time we've been able to snag a few of those. Most insurance companies will allow you to get a handful of tests every month, a couple of hoops to jump through. But this is as simple as going to covidtest.gov, putting in your address, and four tests per household will be coming your way. A reminder that if you've got questions for Dr. Taramina about COVID, the flu, RSV, the holiday season, you name it, reach us live right now by dialing 866-915-WBEZ. Again, our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Dr. Taramina, let's hear from our first caller. Here is Jan from DuPage County. Hey, Jan, what's your question? Good morning. Thank you for taking my question. Yes, so I had my two original shots. And three boosters, the last one being in September, the bivalent. My question is, and the flu shot, are there any more boosters being thought of in the coming spring? I have not heard of any more talk about updating those our boosters, realizing that not everybody's actually had the first ones, but just wondering. Good question. That is a great question. I'm hopeful that we might not need another booster for a while. For most of us that fall into a non-immunocompromised, non-elderly category, if we are lower risk, otherwise healthy, or have minimal comorbidities, and we can keep things at a low drone through the spring and summer months, we may be looking at not needing another bivalent booster until the fall. That all depends on what's going around. If we start having variants that are overcoming our boosters, we have the ability to change formulation again, and we may need a booster sooner. But for those who have really stayed on top of getting all their boosters, I am getting a lot of questions with, it's been two or three months since the bivalent, should I get another one? There's no indication at this point for multiple bivalent boosters for the vast majority of people. Thank you, Jan. Over now to Phoebe in Pullman. Hey, Phoebe, welcome to Reset. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. So it's probably the time of the season where we should all be wearing N95s again, but I would like to know how to best take care of my cloth masks. You can't really find information about how long they're supposed to last. And early in the pandemic, I actually called in and Dr. Taramina said about eight washes, but I wondered if we have new research about that. Yeah, that's a great question, Phoebe, because I, Dr. I, I thought that we were off of cloth masks at this point. We we are, Phoebe. That's really not going to be the best approach. Um, a surgical mask, a surgical paper mask that's used, you know, uh, throughout the day and disposed of and replaced is going to be better than a cloth mask. All a cloth mask or bandana or gaiter over our face is going to do is stop very large droplets. So it's something better than nothing, but not our go-to mask. So we should not be relying on a cloth mask for protection of ourselves and really not great protection of others either. To protect yourself, your best bet is going to be an N95 or KN95 close-fitting mask. And to protect others, having at least a simple surgical mask in place to protect those droplets from being expelled and aerosolized to people close by. Thank you, Phoebe. So, Doctor, beyond COVID, we know the flu and RSV, they're still very much major concerns. So give us the latest of what's going on there. Seeing those as well. It's every one of these respiratory admissions is going to be a toss up whether I'm looking at a flu, a COVID, or an RSV. I've got every 
one of those admitted to the hospital right now. I am seeing a lot of influenza. I will tell you the majority of the influenza patients I'm seeing are not vaccinated. This year's influenza vaccine looks to be a very decent match. So if you haven't received your influenza vaccine, please do so. Uh, it will give you protection. It will help minimize your symptoms if you have a breakthrough infection, especially as we face shortages of Tamiflu and Zofluza, the medications that we typically use to treat influenza. Mm -hmm. So we want to keep people as safe as possible. Definitely seeing way more flu than I have in many years. Yeah, right. Amoxicillin, is, is, that, is there still a shortage of that drug? locally? You know, it's waxed and waned. Um, I have been able to get amoxicillin for most of my patients. But again, if you are ill, it's most likely that you have a viral process during this period of time. And antibiotics are not going to be our go-to to treat a viral illness. Certainly, someone could have a secondary bacterial sinusitis or infection, and then antibiotics may be necessary. But, you know, that's we need to avoid overprescription, so we have them available for those who actually need it. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina about the impact of rising upper respiratory infection cases here in Chicago and Illinois. You can still join the conversation. You can ask a question to the doctor at 866-915-WBEZ. Let's hear now from Matt and Harvey. Hey, Matt. Hi. Good day to you both. Uh, thanks for for having this conversation. Sure. Um, I have a question, doctor. What are some respiratory exercises that we can do to strengthen our immune system as opposed to relying on external uh, medicine? Doctor? So that's an interesting question, Matt. I don't know that I've had it posed to me exactly like that. I will tell you, in the hospital, especially for folks that have what we call a decreased lung capacity, we do use devices like incentive spirometers to encourage those full, deep breaths and encourage people that have a tendency towards chronic cough or that might be a weaker cough to go ahead and expectorate or get up any sputum and spit it out. Uh, those, again, are for the vast majority of folks that have chronic underlying lung issues. For those of us that are otherwise healthy, certainly I would uh, advocate for not smoking anything, and that includes vaping. We want to breathe clean, fresh air, and that's going to be what keeps us in, in the best shape. But for actual lung exercises and increasing lung capacity, that's something typically uh, discussed with people that have underlying chronic lung issues. Thank you, Matt. I'll over now to Bruce in Downers Grove. Hey, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Um, at holiday gatherings, we have to eat, or at least that's the tradition and the plan. So maybe we shouldn't eat and remove our masks, or what's your overall recommendation for holiday gatherings and the meals that usually accompany? Oh, Bruce is suggesting no meal at the holiday meal. Well, that would certainly be missed. Bruce, I have been a big fan of kind of reinventing how we eat at holiday gatherings and not necessarily gathering around a table. Um, I think if you can have people eating in smaller groups, two or three together, keeping family units together, maybe gathered in little food stations throughout a living room or family room, um, taking those TV trays to various locations and not everyone necessarily all sitting together. That would certainly be the safest. It's not necessarily... 
uh, everyone's first choice. But if we're trying to maintain some level of social distancing in a home while we're gathering, that would be the best bet. We're looking at some really cold weather coming our way. If it was a little more mild, I'd say to keep those windows cracked open, but I know that's not necessarily going to be the case. So again, not closely gathering around a table where we are directly breathing into one another Mm -hmm. the way most tables are set up is going to be the best bet. Thanks for your call, Bruce. So this is exciting, doctor. There was a report published earlier this month in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. Uh, It's the first biological explanation of why cold flu and COVID cases are, are more likely to spike. Why does this study matter to us? And does it change how we think about the infections? Well, I think that we can't necessarily say that we simply see more of all of these things because we're gathering indoors. That has something to do with it for sure. We're in closer proximity to one another. We're indoors. Ventilation might be not as good. But looking at things at a cellular level, it's good that there's now some more explanation as to why we get sicker in the cold months. And what it looks like is that, you know, our nose and our nasal passages, they are lined as a first layer of defense with a lot of immune cells. And to put it as simply as possible, when we are in a decreased temperature environment, our body produces less of those immune cells and those immune cells um, are not available to kind of bind up bacteria and viruses that we may be exposed to mm. in these colder months. So it's it's literally a, a supply issue when we get into the cold months and our body not responding as well in, in an ideal immune way. The, the report emphasizes that the first line of defense is the nose. What is it about the nose that makes it so critical? No, we're constantly breathing in the world. And for those of us that have fully functioning faculties and a fully functioning immune system, we cough, we sneeze, we blow our nose. And when you have small children or older folks, they may not have those reflexes or ability to clear their own airways as much. But all the mucus that lines our nose, our throat, that is meant to trap things in the environment and not necessarily just bacteria and viruses, but particulates and things that we're not supposed to be inhaling and having them settle into our lungs. That's why we cough and sneeze. That's why we have those reflexes. And this is why a lot of antiviral Um, vaccine conversation and treatment is existing around the possibility of administering stuff right into our nose. We have flu mist nasal inhaled vaccine for influenza. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see more vaccines that are inhaled and more treatments that are inhaled moving forward as well, since that's where there is just such a large amount of virus that first interacts before it reaches our lungs. It has to go through our nasopharynx. And just to be clear, when when we're talking about immunity, right, such as innate immunity versus acquired immunity, what are we able to boost in hopes of fighting getting sick? So what we're hoping to boost is by, by staying in, you know, warmer areas where we're not necessarily on top of one another indoors, we're going to have the ideal kind of working environment for the cells in our nasopharynx, in our nose and in our throat to, again, ramp up and multiply in response to exposure to viruses and bacteria. The ideal temperature for that is not being outside in two degrees. It's, yeah. it's being it's being in a more temperate environment, whether you happen to live in a more temperate environment or whether you're indoors. And again, eliminating the variable of being shoulder to shoulder with many people. Let's take a call from Michael in Mayfair. Hey, Michael, what's your question? Hi, Dr. Taramina. Um, thanks for all the great information. 
Anyway, um, I tested positive after being, well, vaccinated, boosted, everything else. And it's been about 13 days now. And uh, even after Paxlovid, still testing positive, but uh, feeling huge amounts better. And I'm just wondering, I'm having a hard time finding out um, whether that means I'm actually still infectious. I know the the normal thing is to assume that uh, if you're positive, you're infectious. But is that is that actually do we have any data which uh, um, says that uh, there may be a certain point where you're still testing, but yeah. you're not a risk to anybody? So and I, you know, I do wear my mask anywhere. I was just planning on traveling. So now I'm waiting. So, doctor, is is Michael still a risk? So, Michael, that is, yeah, there's there's a lot of factors that come into this. The short answer is if you are still testing positive on a home antigen test, antigen testing really does detect potentially contagious virus. So if you're still testing positive, I would regard you as still having some contagious virus. Yes, over time, it decreases dramatically. So to the degree that that is transmissible and infectious to another person, it's a lot less than it was early on in your illness. If your repeat tests are PCR tests, those can stay positive for weeks to months because they can detect dead viral particles too. So they're not as reliable detecting transmission. I'm glad you're still masking up. If you're not otherwise immunocompromised, generally, once we get past 20 days, I'm really confident even if the testing is still showing a little faint line, you are unlikely to be contagious on the long end after 20 days. So before we let you go, given that Harvard study that I mentioned earlier and the rising COVID numbers and flu and RSV, Quickly tell us what you think is in store for the Chicago area as we get into the depths of winter. We're going to see a lot more cases in the next few weeks. We are going to see the aftermath of what is happening from travel, from gathering, from people that are under-vaccinated. They've skipped their flu shot. You know, so many people are like, yes, I've been vaccinated for COVID. And you look at their chart and you're like, well, good job. You did the first two vaccines over a year ago. The majority of people have not had a single booster in the last six months. So we are going to see more cases. For the vast majority of people, it's going to be down and out, at home, off of work, fevers, body aches, headaches, feeling pretty down. Granted, the majority are not going to end up hospitalized. But for those who do, we need to have room in these hospitals to take care of everyone. So the best things to do this week are get your boosters, get your flu shot, wear a mask when you're outdoors uh, or outside and going and running errands so that you uh, decrease your exposure risks and have some testing on hand to go ahead and test before you gather. And you're going to be in the best possible uh, point of setting up yourself for success. That was Dr. Mia Termina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You too.